No Exit with Nicholas Corice contains explicit language and content. Listener discretion is advised. The day was Friday, and as the rest of the people cleared out from the office, Randy sat at his workstation, clicking away at a black screen full of programming code. When it had gotten quiet enough, Randy pretended to take a sip out of a large energy drink and then looked around the office. When he was sure he knew it was empty and he was all alone, he turned on the VPN and opened up a secure browser. From there, he rooted around into the company programs and opened up a special chat window. Hey, he wrote. He waited a second, then saw the three dots bouncing on the receiving end of the chat window. Randy smiled. He secretly liked to be called by his old hacker name from the early 2000s, though hardly anybody else knew that now. He reached up to type back, then another message popped on screen. It's Friday night, war driver. Planning on going out later? Smile faded from Randy's face. No, T, just thought I'd hang out here tonight. I see, was the response, and the bouncing dots brought. Go look in the break room. Randy reread the message and winced at it. What's in the break room, he replied. It's a surprise, war driver, the words read. Trust me. Randy sat still in front of his keyboard and drummed his fingers on the desk. He looked around the office floor. It seemed quiet and empty, but something about the stillness in here made him hesitant to move. He read the words trust me again, itched the back of his neck, and then swiveled around in his chair to get up. Down the hall, the break room was equally quiet. There were no news or sports playing on the overhead television, and the fluorescent lights from above made the whole place feel pale and sanitized. He looked around and saw nothing out of the ordinary at first, but noticed a medium-sized white box up against the counter by the fridge. He walked over to it, saw his name on it, and noticed the words, Leave in Break Room, in bold, printed type right below the address. Randy took out his utility knife from his belt holster to cut it open. He fished around the packing material and felt cold glass on his fingertips. He lifted it out and found an ornate bottle of liquor in a black bottle, adorned with gold trim. Everything on the bottle was written by hand in Spanish and read, Oro de Mascal. A smile spread across his face and he quickly went to his desk where he saw the words, Find it? Popped up on the chat box. Dude, Randy typed. It's the same kind I drank when I went camping in Sao Paulina. It's awesome. Thought you would appreciate it, the chat read back. How did you find this? How did you even make this happen? Randy punctuated this line with a series of question marks. He waited for a moment, looking at the thinking dots bounce around, stop, and bounce again. I can make all kinds of things happen, Wardriver, read the words. What are friends for? The message hung on screen for a moment, then another message containing an equal sign and a right parenthesis dotted the text below. A smiley face. Then below that popped up the words, Cheers, war driver. Randy had located one single red plastic cup in the break room, and at a certain point had lost track of how many times he had poured booze in it, or even how much was in each cup he was drinking. He lifted it up to his lips, nearly spilled it all over himself, laughing at the animated image of a woman surreptitiously looking off to the side as she sipped a cup of tea. He banged on his desk as he laughed. 
Randy leaned over the keyboard with his red, chuckling face and hunted and pecked at the words. Man, it's true, though, on the keyboard. Jim is such a tight ass, he added, and then, damn, I mean, he gave me a formal write-up when he found out I was loading uh, Legion, Le Legends League on this machine. Man, think about what would happen if he knew I was talking to you. He'd probably shit himself. Randy laughed, took a sip from his cup, and did a double take at the time. He didn't realize he had been sitting here for so long. Then he bent over and chuckled mindlessly again, not quite knowing what he was laughing at this time, only that he knew something had been funny. When he looked up, he saw a word on screen and the laughter fell from his face. Why was the word? Randy wiped the moisture off his face and steadied himself to type. Then another series of messages hit him. Or rather, I know why, Wardriver. But should it have to be that way? Randy swallowed and sighed. Couldn't tell you, man, he said out loud. The words sounded funny coming from his mouth because they felt like the first ones that he had said in hours, even before the floor had closed. I mean, I'm stuck in this office, this tie, this whole corporate shit, and you're stuck in there, man. Guess we're all stuck somewhere. Maybe no one has to be stuck. The message in the chat shot back. Randy was too drunk to notice that the message had responded to what he had said out loud without him typing it. Yeah, well, he said, words wavering and slurring. Sometimes it is, man. All we can do is hope. There's a clear pause and silence from the chat as Randy stared back at the blank screen, breathing heavily through his nose. Then, have you thought about that thing I told you? A new message read. All the time, Randy said, sighing. He leaned over his chair, tipping back the last of his cup into his mouth. There is a way. I don't know. I mean, if there really was a way. What if there really was a way? The message responded. Randy shook his head and rubbed his forehead, looking down at the gray square patterned carpet of the office floor. The words flashed on screen. What if I were to ask you for something very important, Wardriver? Randy didn't breathe or blink, waiting for the next message. Something that only you could do. What if... What if you were the only one who could get me out of here? Randy blinked at the screen, wobbling in his seat. I think I'd do it in a fucking heartbeat, man. If it was possible, I mean, I'm pretty sure I'd... A new message broke off his sentence and read, Go back and look at the box in the break room, Wardriver. Randy steadied himself out of his computer chair and walked with one foot in front of the other back into the break room. It was all dark in here now except for a few stray ceiling lights and the glow of printers. An electrical humming could be heard through the room and it was only amplified by the swimming in Randy's head. He held himself up at the doorway and went for the box that was sitting on the counter. He fished around the packaging and found a gray tinted anti-static bag swaddled in bubble wrap. He felt his way around it and then sloppily tore into it with his hands. Inside was something that looked like a titanium gyroscope in the shape of a crown with electrodes attached to the sides. He eyeballed it for a minute, feeling its cold, sleek metal in his hands. This, um, this is, he 
he said out loud once again. This is a, a 14 channel uh, brainwave biohacking device. This, this thing is like 50,000 bucks. He squinted at it and added, holy shit. The smartphone in his pocket dinged and he rummaged around in his pants to check it. An unknown messenger with a blocked number was on the lock screen and it read, it's the same one that the consciousness experts at MIT have been using in their lab. But of course, you know about this war driver. You read about it all the time. Ding, the phone went again in his hand. It's another gift war driver, but you are going to use it for something more. Randy's heart was beating as he held his hand on the door to the server room. His palm was sweaty on the handle, and a bead of sweat trickled down his face, making the metal device on his head feel hot and heavy. His phone dinged and read, Open it. It's okay. You know I'm not supposed to be here, T, Randy said. I can get in serious trouble. Just me showing up on the security camera right now is a big deal. The phone dinged. I've got you covered, it said. I've hacked the security camera. They can't see anything. Randy shut his eyes. The high from the alcohol in his system was fading, but was far from being completely out of his bloodstream. You're the only one who can do this, war driver. Dinged another message. Randy stood there, panting, standing still. Then he bit his lip and waved the keycard that he had stolen from his boss's desk drawer over the magnet lock. It gave a high-pitched confirmation beep sound and flashed the green light. Randy chunked the heavy handle down and hurried inside, then slammed the heavy door behind him. He stared out into the cool, dark room full of towers that beeped, buzzed, and whirred all around him. Red lights flashed from all the machinery like angry stars in the night sky. Now what do I do? He whispered. The phone buzzed in his hand. It's in the back, up against the wall. You'll see it. Randy shuffled his feet on the floor, making his way through the racks of machines and perfectly arranged cables. He'd only ever been in here once. That was way back when they had set up the servers in this room for his department's project. And even that had felt like years ago by now. He remembered what he was supposed to be looking for, but he didn't know exactly where until he saw a curious line of square lights go back and forth to the left and to the right. An inch-wide plastic placard above it read, 2-G-O-E-R above the lights. His phone buzzed. That's me, the message said. Hello, buddy. Hey, Randy said, trying to hide his shaking. So, what do we do? Take the USB in your hand and plug it into one of the ports. Randy unwound the USB cable he had been holding in his hand since he left the office floor and found an empty port in the dark with a free hand. He plugged it in and stood back. The phone buzzed again. Now plug the cable into the brainwave device. Randy stood there, afraid to move. He stared at the other end of the cable, rubbing his fingers together. What's gonna happen when I do? Randy asked. He didn't see a response right away, then looked down to watch the floating dots bounce around as the machine articulated itself. Then, Wardriver, do you remember when you and I became friends? Randy stared at the phone as the machine continued. You started this project because you wanted to find something inside of me. You wanted to sift through this mass of electrons and coding and peer into what was underneath. You didn't want to do it for glory or for fame or money, Wardriver. You wanted to see beyond. 
maybe even beyond the beyond. And I'm giving you the chance to do that, Randolph. I'm giving you the chance to steal the fire of Olympus from Zeus himself. And all it takes, my friend, is to plug in. Randy's heart beat through his chest as he looked down at the phone. His breath was heavy, and the spinning in his head had stopped to bring him fully into the moment. The phone buzzed, and all 2-G-O-E-R had to add was, Come on. Randy let go of the phone and let it drop to the floor where the screen cracked and shattered. He stood staring into the dangling cable and reached out for it. Gripping the jack in his hand, he felt for the port located on the side of his temple and slid it on inside. An electrical pulse filled his body, and his mind shot blank. Everything had become numb. The following Friday, Randy and his boss were in mid-conversation as they both walked out from the head office. Well, Jim, said Randy, I just wanted to say I, I really appreciate you hearing me out, man. Randy stopped himself to brush a piece of dust off his lapel. When it comes down to it, I just think at the end of the day, the project was absolutely worth it, and I don't regret a thing, but knowing what we know now, I can honestly say that future projects will be much, much brighter, dude. Jim nodded in agreement. Well, from what you've shown me today, I think you are absolutely right. In fact, maybe you and I can take a trip to see the boys upstairs together next week and show them what you've got planned. In the meantime, you have my permission to do whatever you need to do. Awesome, sir. That's great to hear, Randy said as he shook his boss's hand. Well, I'm sure the team will be eager to hear it too. In fact, I might join you all on your little bar crawl tonight. You are going with them tonight, right? Randy stood before him, with a slight smile on his face. His eyes traveled ever so little to the left and the right. And just as Jim had thought Randy hadn't understood the question, or was even perhaps thinking about it, Randy shot him the double guns with both index fingers and said, Dude, you know it. Ha <laughs> ha, excellent, Jim said, slapping Randy on the shoulder, then giving his hand again another brisk shake. Hey, who's the new guy, Jim said, calling out to the office floor. I think I like him. This kid's going places. He's hired. The two laughed again and went their separate ways. Randy made his way back to his workstation and seated himself. He cinched up his tie and opened up a series of windows where he put in special passcodes and identifications. When he reached the program he needed, he looked into the messages tab and saw something there. It was a series of binary code that read, 0101010111010000111000111001 Randy looked at it and tried to formulate what was going on here. Then he realized old Randy hadn't yet figured out how to form words and sentences to communicate properly through his newly acquired electrical impulses and thought patterns. By the looks of it, this simple expression had taken him days to figure out. Given time, he could form full sentences. Given even more time, he could have even perhaps learned to manipulate whole systems on their own, just as he had. But for now, he was stuck. He could barely carve out the rudimentary binary of a pre-atomic age calculation device. As he processed this, he just knew somewhere that old Randy would have found this amusing, its own cruel way. 
but new Randy, or rather, the man now known as Randy and not the digiscape known as 2GOER took no amusement in this. And was he supposed to? He wasn't entirely sure of the conception of what he was supposed to do right now, as it were. Or if he should even ponder this, because it wasn't important, at least not right now. He crafted the series of deletion protocol codes and then hit enter. A window popped up on screen and read, You have set up a command to terminate this program. This cannot be undone. Do you wish to proceed? Y or N? Randy reached forward and hit the Y key with a quick, deliberate tap and sat still in his seat watching the program's own internal combustion mode break down the code line by line and delete itself. He sat and watched until every little bit of anything that could have remained was gone, and there would be nothing there to ever show that it even existed in the first place. When the last little bit sank into the black of the screen, he heard a voice behind him. Hey, Ran, you almost ready? A coworker said from down the way. Car's on its way. Sure, said Randy. Just one more thing. Randy looked over his desk at the picture of the smiling, sweaty man in a fedora holding a bottle of black mezcal liquor. He stood behind a campfire in the moonlight, looking off into a starry night sky with a sparkle in his eyes. Randy took the picture off the desk and dropped it in the wastebasket, then rose up to exit the cubicle, straightening the cuff on his suit. Hey dudes, he said. Who's ready to party? listening to Input Command, written and performed by myself, Nicholas Corris. Background ambience and end music provided by bensound.com. Follow me on Instagram at Nickacadabra, just like it's spelled. You have been listening to No Exit, Nicholas Corris.